I'm J.P. Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are Rewatching the Magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. Catch me. I'm having a great day. Uh, yeah, so we are talking about Free Guy, the Ryan Reynolds video game movie. <sighs> As I said before, it's the GTA movie I've always wanted. You know, I have tried many times over the years to play various GTA games, all the way from the first GTA on up. Mm-hmm. And to borrow from Lewis Black back in the day when he tried to review a GTA game, I have never gotten very far in any of the GTA games because I am always too busy trying to beat a little old lady with a baseball bat. <laughs> I realize there are supposed to be missions in GTA, but it's basically like, here's a car, run over NPCs. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like a thing I want to do. I am the same boat. I played GTA 3. I played GTA 4. I played uh, Vice City San Andreas. I never passed the GTA game until GTA 5. And that's because I just played through the, finally actually tried, decided to play through the missions and not just, you know, kill everybody and run everything over and just have chaos. And of course, for the, for the younger generation, Fortnite. Because of the of the battle royal aspect of it, which uh, there's a reference to Fortnite in this movie. In this movie, uh, one of the weapons that uh, guy uses at the end, the little hobby horse, is a weapon from Fortnite. Oh yeah, I didn't I didn't get that. I've I've only ever seen people play Fortnite. I've watched some streamers play Fortnite. I've never actually played Fortnite myself. Neither have I, but I do recognize because uh, I have seen that hobby horse as a toy. Okay, yeah, that that's the one that I didn't get. I I I recognized a lot of the other references because I've played most of the video games that they reference. There are throughout. so many references. Yeah, we get references to Portal. We get references to Mega Man. Uh, very obvious corporate synergy references to Star Wars and Marvel. Yeah, although I think that this one started before the buyout. We knew the name of the movie because that was kind of announced right after Deadpool 2 came out as this is going to be Ryan Reynolds' next movie. We didn't know what it was going to be about. We just knew it was going to be called Free Guy. And then we saw the trailer and like, ooh, this is going to be good. And then 2020 happened and it got delayed a year. <laughs> There's some Half-Life references. You get the portal gun. There was uh, a lot of love to video games in this movie. The people who were part of this, you know, the people, the, the directors, the producers, the visual effects people. It's so many people in this movie, you can very much tell that they had a love for video games with how much care they put into the references. Yeah, and watching this just as a gamer, I was like, there are parts of this that I was like, man, if this were a game... I would want to play this game. 
the the outfits that a lot of the PCs, you know, the the sunglasses people, as the as guy keeps referring to them, I'm like, wow, you know, some of them are really cool. Like there's there's one character that you see towards the end of the film who has like this really cool punk outfit with kitty ears and everything. <laughs> I was like, I kind of just want that outfit in real life. <laughs> and you know, the the reality of it is that you have this big burly dude with a big gun and he looks all tough and then behind the screen is like a 12-year-old girl. Yeah, yeah. Um and I'm sure that the you know the cute little punk chick with the kitty ears is, you know, Probably a 40-year-old it, man. Uh, yeah, it's probably like a 40-year-old bearded dude. But it doesn't matter because it's a really cool-looking skin. Um, and that's the cool thing about video games. Be whoever you want. The the advertising for this game, of course, since you have two people. <laughs> yeah, sorry. The advertising for this movie, obviously you have the, the trailers and stuff. But there was a YouTube video right before this movie came out. Of two characters played by actors in this movie that are technically part of the same universe now. In that we had a video of Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool hosting a YouTube review show with Takia Watiti as Korg. We also have a guest reactor this week. Korg, who was not my first choice, but apparently everyone else was too busy over on Disney+. Plus. Say hello, Korg. Hello, made of rocks. Thank you for having me, Paul. Sorry, you're dead. Jesus Christ. Making it the first time that Deadpool had ever interacted with anyone from the MCU. Yeah, and I'm kind of fascinated that they bothered to do the CGI for this video. Yeah, it's just a five-minute YouTube video, but, I mean, the model is already made. It's They have it on file. All you would need is what? Takuwa TD in a mocap suit? I mean, maybe. Korg doesn't really do a lot as far as a lot of motion. It's just them sitting on a couch. Mm-hmm. So it's not a super complicated uh, animation to do. But I'm still kind of surprised that they bothered to do it. It's It's a funny video. If you've never seen it, it is kind of them just mocking the trailer a little bit. The funny thing is, is that Guy and Antoine never interact in this movie. So that was the only time they ever... I'm not even sure Takibati was even in the room with them filming that that YouTube video. Yeah, they, they may have had, you know, somebody else give a motion reference if they even needed one. If we can get a side-by-side of, of uh, Korg in that video and Korg in Endgame playing uh, playing Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, they may have just pulled the, the animation from some somewhere else. You're, you're right. I thought that was a, a really cool little bit of promotion. I think it was kind of savvy. If that, if that was Ryan Reynolds' idea, it was even more savvy. Because everybody's really wanting Disney to go ahead and pull the trigger on another Deadpool anyway. He he wants to do it, and everyone wants to see him do it. And Feige even said it's in the plan, so we don't know when or where. And More Deadpool, please. 
And if yeah. this is how Deadpool gets into the MCU, I'm all for it. The interesting thing is, is that if it wasn't for Ryan Reynolds' love of Deadpool, we probably wouldn't have had this film. Possibly. Because he worked so hard to get the role of Deadpool. And, you know, it started out with him in the, you know... Wolverine movie. <laughs> kind of awful Wolverine <laughs> movie yeah. uh, where they did Deadpool so dirty. And then he worked really hard to, to get properly made Deadpool. The thing is, is that Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman have remained friends uh, because none of that was Hugh Jackman's fault, of course. The guy who directed this film, uh, Sean Levy, is a was friend of Hugh Jackman. And Hugh Jackman had apparently read the script or knew about the script and hooked up uh, Sean Levy and Ryan Reynolds and was like, you guys need to, to do this. Bravo to Hugh Jackman, I guess, for, for figuring out that that, that was kind of the sweet spot of that director and that actor and the right project. And uh, and Jackman also makes a bit of a voice cameo in this movie. He's the uh, he he does the voice of the dude in the alley that uh, that uh, Millie gets the info from and then shoots him in the head. <laughs> yeah, this was one of those things that had bounced around for a few years before finding its correct group of creatives. I can see people. Like, when Ready Player One was, like, the big thing going around Hollywood, I can see a lot of studios saying, we need to do the next Ready Player One. And so, I mean, Ready Player One, so Ready Player One did did well, so I can see other people wanting to jump and make the next Ready Player One. And this sort of kind of has the same feel, although I think the video game aspects are better integrated in this movie than it was in Ready Player One. This one makes a, a little bit more sense i guess in the in the world it's more of a commentary on life and in meaning and a lot of people compare it to truman show of course a little bit of the matrix i would also pull it in there also the idea of corporations getting a hold of your work i personally watch a lot of uh james stephanie sterling <laughs> Uh, and the uh, the Jimquisition on on YouTube, which talks a lot about uh, video games and how they're made in video game companies. Uh, and boy, the character that Taika Waititi plays, wow! Yeah, <laughs> the of. last year alone, we've seen both Sony and Microsoft absorbing several different smaller video game companies into themselves. We have this character, Antoine, purchasing the rights to these characters' games and kind of screwing them over, but because he uses it as the base for the game in the movie and never gives them credit for it, which is the reason they're so angry. They just want their credit. Yeah, and I mean, we'll, we'll get into that a, a little bit. Mm -hmm. more you know as we talk about the plot but boy there are some interesting parallels to some real world stuff 
You want to do a, a cast rundown real quick, and then we can talk some more about the... Sure. Uh, it's not a big main cast, but uh, there's some names in here, so uh, let's go through them. Yeah, I mean, we've already been talking about Ryan Reynolds. Uh, everybody knows Ryan Reynolds by now. Started out in comedies. You may remember the uh, sitcom he started out in, Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place, and then I guess they lost the pizza place, and it became Two Guys and a Girl. I don't know. I never really watched the show. It kind of gave us Nathan Fillion as well. I guess that was his like first big thing. The only thing I remember about that show is I watched one episode and the girl was sitting between the two guys and they were laughing at her for something. And she looked at one of them and she was like, if you don't stop laughing, I will rip your arm off. And the first guy stops laughing and the other guy keeps laughing. And she turns to the other guy and she goes, and I will beat you to death with it. Did the other stops and i've just always really liked that line all these years later i still use that line on people i don't know why that was always <laughs> the one funny thing to come out of that but uh yeah then he did a lot of he did a lot of like comedies and rom-coms and the superhero movie that should not be named yeah. several of them actually there's a few superhero movies that should not be named starring ryan reynolds yeah and then he did Deadpool. And Deadpool is awesome. And then he was a Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. That actually, is, that actually is a good movie if you haven't seen it. Well, it's got some problematic aspects, so maybe not. But Deadpool. I like Deadpool. Deadpool's good. Uh, and uh, like in Deadpool 2, uh, he also plays a CG version of himself. As he does the... the uh, the facial animation for Dude, much like he did the voice of Juggernaut in Deadpool 2. Yeah. What what more can you say about him, really? To generally yeah. cool Canadian dude who makes a really good Deadpool. I hope Deadpool 3 happens soon. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. I, playing our, our other main character in this, we've got Jodie Comer as Millie. A.K.A. Molotov Girl. Uh, mostly, and Mostly British stuff. She is a British actress. Yeah. Um, so she is in Killing Eve, which I have not seen. L lately, her other major film last year was in The Last Duel, which I don't think I know anybody that's seen that. And for the Disney connection, she was in Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, and the flashback scene as Rey's mother. Yeah, she's apparently Rey's mother. <laughs> I mean, she she has uh, been in quite a few things. Uh, like you said, a lot of stuff that's been uh, uh, English stuff, uh, British TV and theater. Uh, a lot of stuff I just have not had the chance to see, but I hear amazing things about Killing Eve. Might get around to watching that one day. Um, she's very good in this, though, so I was quite impressed. Only gets to use her accent for a little bit of this movie. Yeah, uh, they they make a joke about Molotov Girl having a accent filter, which is a cool thing that I hope... Video games with voice chat 
do one day. That would be awesome. You would and just she, not even turn that off. We yeah. Have, we, we'd have this entire podcast with you with a, with a English filter on. Or a something. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I'd go with if that were an option. Uh, she also does the uh, cover version of Fantasy that is used for part of the film. But it's just a sweet, sweet fantasy, baby When I close my eyes, you come and take me Yeah, who knew a Mariah Carey song would be a plot point? Yeah. It's also the first time I can actually understand the lyrics to that song. I have been singing those lyrics wrong for like 20 years. (laughs) But anyway, um, really nice cover version. She's mm-hmm. got a good voice. Uh, as the uh, her programmer buddy who helped program the original code for the game, we've got Joe Curie as Keys. And uh, if you've ever seen Stranger Things, you will recognize him. He's Steve in Stranger Things. So as Buddy, one of the other NPCs and uh, Guy's best friend, we have Lil Rel, who... I absolutely loved in Get Out. I think that was probably like his standout performance for me. Also uh, he's really got... good in Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh yeah, I you know I honestly had had blanked on that, but yeah, of course he also has his own uh, TV series as well, um, Rel. I really did not uh, know much about him until I saw him in Get Out. And then, of course, uh, you're right. He was excellent in Jesus and the Black Messiah. Uh, uh, for, the Disney, for the Disney connection, he did uh, voice a character in one episode of the Rapunzel animated series. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've never seen any of the episodes of that. So, yeah, and he's 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 really good in this being the balance to Guy. You know, Guy wants to break out of his loop, and uh, Buddy is just kind of chill being where he is. Moving along, rounding out our kind of main cast, uh, we have Utkarsh Ambukar, who plays Mouser, who is the uh, coder who works next to Keys at uh, the Tsunami Studio uh, on Free City. And he has a couple of Disney connections. Yeah, uh, he really he, does. He he was in the 2020 Mulan, although his scene was cut. He was <laughs> yeah. in the Disney Plus movie Godmothered, which I have not seen. Yeah. And also, he's, now he's in the uh, Hulu series The Dropout. And he's also in the uh, Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild on Disney Plus. Yeah. So he's got a lot of Disney connections. People may know him as well for his roles in Pitch Perfect. Recently, he's just been in Tick, Tick, Boom. And probably his biggest role right now is he's currently starring in Ghosts on CBS as the boyfriend of the main character who can see all the ghosts. Um, And I am absolutely loving him on that series. He uh, also occasionally for, um, you know, our gamer geeks, at least our tabletop gamer geeks, he did the um, 
Force Gray series uh, with Matt Mercer. So if you're into that kind of stuff, uh, that may be how uh, there ended up being an episode of Ghosts where his character ended up being really into D&D and discovered that one of the ghosts also used to play D&D when he was alive and ends up uh, bringing one of the ghosts from the 80s who hadn't played uh, D&D since AD&D was out and he ended up being like, oh no man, there's like 5th edition now, let me introduce you to 5th edition and him and the ghosts end up playing D&D. So, uh, it was a really good episode. So he's 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 pretty funny in this in this film too. Uh, you're never quite sure if he's a good guy or a bad guy, uh, but uh, definitely in the bad guy sense, as he is our main villain for the film. You of course have Taika Waititi as uh, Antoine. We have talked about Taika Waititi several times on the show, so not gonna go back over it again. Um, but he is definitely our villain. In this, and now after watching this film, I just really want to see Taika Waititi play like just a straight up supervillain. He could do it too, like comic oh. book supervillain, mustache twirling supervillain. Well, actually, though, I gotta say it's not a Disney thing because it's over on HBO Max, but uh, maybe go watch Our Flag Means Death. He plays Blackbeard, and while not 100% villainous all the time, I mean, Blackbeard is a vicious pirate, and he occasionally slips into being a vicious pirate. I'm just going to say he has his moments, and I really, really, really want to see Taika Waititi play like a traditional, absolute, like, Cape wearing supervillain at this point. Marvel has a lot of them, and again, you, he's already Korg, but doesn't. But you know, a, a, an actual character where we could see its face. There's enough. Yeah, like it, so. I just want to see like live action. You know, Taika Waititi. Like, like yeah, just put him in like you know, all black, maybe some green <laughs> cape. Just have him go out there and get his evil on. That's That'd be that'd be absolutely great. And then there this this is just filled with cameos, this whole thing. Um the biggest one is probably Channing Tatum, who keeps showing up over and over again. He is the in-game avatar of one of the the gamers who keeps showing up, Revengeman Buttons. I love that name. Yeah. It's a dumb name, but it it that is the kind of name that someone makes up when they're 12 and they're still using it when they're 20 and 30. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's a great little comedy bit. Cause you, you get Channing Tatum saying all these lines that, you know, the, the care, the, the gamer that is controlling him is played by Medi, uh, Carter, um, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, but uh, who plays the other end of that so funny, but you know, when you see Channing Tatum, like, you know, kind of drop the, you know, kind of bad guy, tough guy act and, and go into that 
Um, mom, get out of my room. Yeah, mom, don't touch that sock, mom. You will need therapy. Uh, you know, some of that. And then doing the silly dances and, you know. Yeah, he does um, the floss during the ending credits. Yeah, the, it's 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 a really That's good. A, again, a, another Fortnite reference. So it's it's a really good bit because you know you know where it's coming from at that point because you've seen the other end of that. Um, and I I like that he's portraying both both sides of that, and he does it so well. Um, and then they they have a lot of uh, Twitch and YouTube gamer streamers which are really fascinating because when I was first watching the film I was like wait a minute I know that person yeah um really the only ones I don't watch a lot of streamers um but the one that kind of shocked me was Jacksepticeye because I actually do watch him so when he came on stream, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> but I had heard of Ninja before, even though I don't watch him. Yeah, I, I yeah, I remember uh, I remember thinking about Ninja that he was like one of the first uh, video game streamers to have an exclusive deal with Twitch. And that was a, one of the big stories for a while. Yeah. Um, and the other ones, like I did, I didn't really know them, but uh, good for them. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I'm sure their fans were probably, you know, freaking out. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's another showing of the love of video games. You could have gotten any actors to play these streamers, but they went out and got actual video game streamers to be in this movie. Yeah, and they actually used their setups. Yeah. They used the aesthetics of their own setups. So when the screen goes to showing you know whatever they actually use the same framing and the same you know graphics and everything that each of these streamers do you know where their windows are placed and what their you know home studio setup looks like and all that kind of which is really cool and you know we've are we've already mentioned Hugh Jackman um and Tina Fey uh comes in as the the voice of the the mother. Yeah, um, of uh, Channing Tatum's mom. Yeah, Ch- Channing Tatum's gamer's mom. Dwayne the Rock Johnson is the uh the second bank robber that we see uh the voice at least the the body is somebody else. Uh, John Krasinski provides the voice of a one of the silhouetted gamers uh, that we that we see. Of course, we get uh, Chris Evans in that big moment. Yeah, when we when we uh, get the uh, the because you if you're gonna put Captain America's shield in your movie, you need Captain America to kind of go, what the what's going on yeah. here. <laughs> And language uh, cap language, yeah. And they have a a uh, cameo by Alex Trebek that ended up unfortunately being posthumous. 
Yeah. Um, and his final film role. Uh, because the film was delayed, it ended up uh, coming out after uh, after Alex Trebek passed. Which is funny because Trebek had had a history of kind of, on his own show, looking down at nerd culture. Several uh, nerdcore rappers had written songs about kind of make, kind of shouting out Trebek for looking down on nerd culture. And here yeah. he is in a movie about nerd culture. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a thing. So you know, there you go. You're always kind of gonna be tied to it, dude. But yeah, there there were a lot of cameos here and there. We've we've probably missed some, but let's let's get into talking about the the plot and what we liked about it, what worked, what didn't. You mentioned the Truman Show, and I agree because much like Truman Show, we had we have this world. Where one of the citizens in this world learns that their world is fictional. It's not real. And that's why I also put the Matrix, because, you know, it's also, hey, this isn't real. You know, how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go? And it's, you know, how would you feel if you woke up one day to realize your life was not real? That you were just a fictional character in someone else's narrative? I would want to... A question with the creative behind my life because they're not very good at being creative. Yeah, I mean, honestly, at this point, I think if I personally woke up and discovered that, I would feel relieved because it would answer a lot of questions and it would give me someone's butt to kick. <laughs> like, at this point, it would be a relief. I'd be like, oh, thank goodness. It's interesting that from the beginning, Guy kind of realizes that there is a a tier system in his world. Yeah, there are the sunglass people and everyone else. Like right at the beginning, which I believe it is Channing Tatum's character that we see. Yeah. That he just flies down in, he grabs a car, he grabs a girl, and he starts shooting. And he says, you know, that's not even his car. That's not even his wife. And I don't think he's going to get back either. Yeah. And it's like, so he knows that there's, a, you know, the sunglass people get to do whatever they want. And everybody else ha has to do the same thing every day because that's life. But honestly, and when I was first watching the, the film, all I could think of was like, but isn't that just rich people, though? Because he even says the, the thing about, like, well, for the sunglasses people, the rule, the laws aren't laws. They're just eh, the vague guidelines. And when I, when I first saw the film, I was like, but isn't that just rich people, though? Don't you feel that a lot in your life? Like, yeah, there are people who just can do whatever they want and nothing happens to them. And Everybody else has to follow the rules. You, I mean, but also the loop. Uh, like our jobs are very repetitive, and we do basically the same thing week in, week out, with very little variation. I'm guessing probably that if either of us had a larger bank account, we would take a lot of trips or do things or do different jobs that had more variety to them. 
I, I do more than buy a pair of shoes like Guy does. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the, 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 I might buy a good pair of shoes uh, first off because that would, you know, that would probably help my, you know, various leg pains. But <laughs> And then, because it's always a girl, isn't it? It's always a girl. And I love the entire plot point through that because as we see later in the film as Keith says he needed to program Guy after somebody so he programs Guy essentially after himself you know perpetually dreaming about a girl he'll never meet which we find out is Millie you know the girl that likes bubblegum ice cream the girl that likes the, the coffee the girl that likes Mariah Carey songs and then once he su- once he meets the real Millie, everything changes. Because in his mind, he has met the one person he thought he'd never meet. The one person he's waited for. Which starts Guy's evolution. You know, he no longer wants to go through the same thing over and over again. He, his programming evolves. In a very much, you know, no one's talked about it, but this is very much in the same vein of Short Circuit. How number five evolves through through that, you know, learning more about human human life. Yeah, because, you know, that's that's the whole point of of the thing is that the base code for this game was taken from something that wasn't supposed to be a game. Really, they play part of an interview with Keys and Millie, which is that they had been working on something that wasn't a game necessarily. You didn't play it, you observed it. And the idea was to watch the evolution of AI. They had created this thing called Life Itself, and they were going to put various types of potential AI and watch them evolve. And Guy just happened to be one of those potential types of AI. Um, And then when Tsunami and Antoine bought their code, they used those bits of AI as the basis for NPC loops. Antoine is apparently not a coder or not a creator of anything. Uh, He seems to be a guy who had money to buy some stuff. Which, this was what I was talking about earlier, that this is what is paralleling things. At several points during the movie, including the the final thing when we we kind of final finally get the hero moment from Mouser is that he finally sees Antoine for for what he is that he didn't create anything he's got the the title of like you know developer or whatever of the video game But he never creates anything. And that's what Mouser realizes at the end. 
is that he just took the code and basically put a skin over it and then hired some other people to, you know, start building on top of it. Uh, I think it is, it's Mouse that also says, you know, you know, we could, it would be much easier just to create a new game than it is to make a sequel to this game. And then Antoine turns around and said, people don't want new. They want sequels and they want something based off IP. And this is both. Yeah. And he has that, that whole, you know, kind of hilarious line about Kentucky fried chicken and Albuquerque boiled turkey. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, is that this is what we are getting in video games right now. And it's, the primary, I mean, not the primary issue with video games. The primary issue with video games right now is the abusive way in which employees of video game com companies are being treated. Which you see in this movie as well. Which you do see in this movie as well, to, to a very minor, minor extent. Let me, let me be clear about that. The abuses in the video game industry towards their employees are horrific. Um. But one of the one of the other major problems, at least as far as um, originality and uh, intellectual property, and we see uh, that in in Hollywood a little bit too, is that the the idea is that the name recognition is the only thing that matters. And this is portrayed very, very well in this film. I, I kind of want to kiss them for how well they portray this in the film with Antoine. Because they're showing that they're rolling out this sequel. The code in it doesn't work. Nothing is backwards compatible. They're not keeping any of the promises to the player base. Um, like, you know, oh, we're going to have the same characters come in. Oh, you're going to be able to bring your skins from the previous game and your items from the previous game into the, the end. Antoine says, oh, yeah, I was totally lying about that. We're not going to do any of that stuff and all that kind of stuff, which are all things that have been happening in video games recently. These are all things that have been happening with other MMOs and other games and stuff. This is all real stuff that has been happening if you don't play video games. Um, and so the fact that they're just basically having Antoine do things that actual game company CEOs have done recently was a brilliant move. Because it makes him so realistic as a villain. Because he's actually doing things that these real guys have been doing. Um, you, you talk about the abuse. We, we do kind of see a little bit of it where he's saying, hey, uh, I want blue shirt guy in the new game. Can you code him in? And we're already behind schedule on coding. And it's going to take us a while to, to code, and code an entire character. I don't care. Do it. Yeah. I mean, there's there's the issue with the crunch you know, as they call it, which is where uh, game programmers and, and coders are expected to just stay at their desk 
for the weeks and months before a game comes out and just not have a life. You know, other than 24 that. hour days, stay, working weekends and all that stuff, you know, like, you know, work through holidays and work through, you know, not have any sleep and not, ha- you know, it's, nap at your desk and keep going and keep going and live off of Red Bull and coffee and, you know, mm-hmm. um, to the point where people are having mental breakdowns and being hospitalized and, you know, it's it's actually causing you know medical issues for for people but it's considered normal you know it's just that's just what you do before a game launches of course you know um and to not be willing to do that to not be willing to sacrifice your health yeah. like that is we considered see that, we see it in the video game industry even in the film industry where a studio will set a hard date for something to be released and we're not changing that date you will work 24 hours a day seven days a week with little to no sleep and little to no food until we're done because this game needs to be out by christmas and there's a lot of you know cutting corners and a lot of you know uh i mean we really saw it with uh something like cyberpunk or whatever where they just decided that People would buy it on the recognition of the name Cyberpunk and the fact that Keanu Reeves was playing a character in it. And they didn't care that it was still full of bugs and everything. So they just decided to push out the game and then, oh, we'll fix all those bugs in patches later and stuff. And it was so impossible to play that most people couldn't play it on like day one. Their- yeah on day one on like their playstation like you put it on a playstation you couldn't even play it and then a lot of people bought like you know a 60 or 70 dollar game and then they realized that to be able to play it you had to have like a three thousand dollar computer which is nuts so um the interesting thing is is that game is going to be beautiful to play in like 10 years <laughs> yeah once the once the hardware price drops enough that people can actually afford the system to play that game on it's going to experience an amazing renaissance in 10 years uh once it's uh patched and people can afford the system to play it on um in 10 or 15 years that game is going to be the the new hotness um, but you know, the, the, what Antoine is, is seen doing here is exactly what happens in the video game industry every single day because they just front load the, the game of like, you want to buy this game and then people buy the game and they discover they have bought a broken product and the game company doesn't care. The CEO doesn't care because they've got your money now and it doesn't matter that you've got a broken product. And there's not really the the law hasn't really caught up with the fact of like how to allow the consumer to, you know, get their money back for for a broken product like this. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it's really interesting to see the movie portray a real world villain in such a realistic kind of way. I noticed something in my rewatch that I didn't see the first time around 
because you know since he's an npc he keeps uh respawning back in his bedroom every time he dies uh so there's this the whole leveling up montage where every time he dies he keeps waking up back in his bedroom uh and i didn't notice it but you know he pulls the sunglasses from the first robber and he wears them for the first time but after he gets shot the first time he wears a different pair of sunglasses and you realize that he has to go out and get a new pair of sunglasses every time because he doesn't respawn with the sunglasses because he's an npc it's not in his coding yeah but now that he knows the secret of the sunglasses he's apparently just going out and finding random players and ganking their sunglasses <laughs> So every he's... time you see him respawn, he's wearing a different pair of sunglasses. Wouldn't doubt he's taking them off low-level players. Yeah, so there's probably just a whole bunch of noobs that just keep getting, like, wasted by Guy throughout the course of the game. <laughs> Which I kind of like. I wonder if that's become, like, a mark of honor throughout the my glasses just got taken by blue shirt guy awesome yeah like holy crap did you just get ganked by blue shirt guy awesome the cool the cool thing about the the plot of the the film to me is that we've got guy and not only does his interaction with millie spark the part of his code that hits the evolution you know that was originally intended but his little changes start sparking things in the other characters around him there's the one character that is the de facto girlfriend character and guy tells him hey you don't need to hang around with these with these you know bad guys if you don't want to and then it sparks something in her well i don't need to hang around with any guy if i don't want to yeah and we find out later in the movie that this character has done this manifesto on toxic men a uh, guy talks to the barista saying you know he makes a suggestion of maybe i can drink a cappuccino today instead of my regular coffee and that sparks something in the barista that she starts through trial and error learning how to make different coffee variations so and you know the entire game is changing the npc's personas are changing because of guys interaction with them sparking their evolutions i like that even though it's more subtle with buddy his interactions with buddy do the same kind of thing he's scared you know, at first. you know buddy's scared at first he doesn't want change you know he's a uh, guy offers him the glasses saying here put them on please because he wants his best friend by his side and he says you know i i can't do it i can't but when we get to the end he's with the other npc saying you know that he's tired of doing the same thing day after day after day and at the end he's the one with guy running across that bridge 
Yeah. While he doesn't want to be one of the sunglasses people, and he he never does, he never does put on the sunglasses, he does want to do smaller things. You know, he wants to be there for his friend. He wants to go up and give dude a hug. You know, he he wants to do all these kind of smaller things. Now that you mentioned dude, uh, uh, mm, is it me or is is Buddy? Buddy makes uh, makes a clip of how dude is guy but better. You think uh, Buddy has a little feeling for 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 guy that he can only uh, bring out by kind of filling up on the muscles of dude. That's the impression that I got that he's kind of hiding away some feelings. Maybe it's just me. You know what? I don't I don't know. I mean, if you want to read that into it, I'm not going to stop you. I, I didn't particularly get it, but eh, okay. I, you know, am I the only one who every time that, that they were like, you know, make, make guy but better and somehow better meant like jacked? That, that sounds I was like an Antoine like, thing. Antoine you? says he... Antoine says he programmed got dude himself. Well, yeah, I know, but like multiple people make that same like maybe not in those exact words, but you know, cuz Antoine says it and Buddy says it and you know, other people kind of make reference to I that think, I including think the, guy. I think it's the male power fantasy. Yeah, I I know. It just but when I saw that, I was like, oh, you ruined guy. You know, like, I, I, mean, don't, I don't the know. The male power fantasy is, you know, the better me is the more physically fit me, the stronger me, the physically stronger me. And that's really where it comes from. You know, the better me to another person might be more kind, more gentle, more intelligent. But the male power fantasy is bigger, stronger. Me, man. I don't know. Have you ever seen like the strongest dude in the world contest guys? Yeah, I mean, they do not look like that. There's, there's power muscles and there's show muscles, and the show muscles seem to be the more acceptable form, the better looking version of you know this is what power looks like. The pro wrestler model, if you want to go in that direction. Where yeah. if everyone looked like, you know, like, there's a difference between the Arnold Schwarzenegger physique and, like, a power lifter like Mark Henry or something, you know? But I I like that they that they did um, the thing for, for a dude where he has the tattoo of the, of shirt. the blue shirt. <laughs> that, that made me laugh. Um, three things I like: kicking ass, TBA, and a third thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do like the the final fight where it looks like it's gonna come down just purely to brawn. You know, wh- which of them punches hardest or has the best weapon. But then I like that guy ends up more using his brain. Yeah, he puts the glasses on dude, and that simplistic mind of dude sees all the bright colors and just goes after the pretty colors, because he's got the brains of 
oatmeal. Yeah, but I also I don't know why it plays Greatest American Hero at the at the end. Yeah, that's I mean what I would have I mean what song would you have put in that in that spot? Maybe Sunshine Day by the Brady Bunch. Yeah, just something bright and colorful, I guess. But um, I I like the ending. To me, it it's a good ending because I I like that it ends with dude just being happy. I like that since he's based on Guy's code, theoretically, that means that he's capable of growth. Possibly. Again, but he has a very, he's a very simplistic, game-minded character. There is potential that he could evolve into a fully formed person. Again, we, we don't really see it in the film. Maybe. And we know that there's going to be a sequel. They did say that there's going to be a free guy too. So maybe if if dude is in the sequel, they would show him evolving into a more complete person. Notice that that my saying of of growth doesn't mean that I'm saying like he becomes a rocket scientist or anything. What I'm saying is is that he was sent in there to punch. And by the end, he's rooting for Guy in his mission. Yeah. Which means that he has some form of personal choice. I I like that ending because it... I've seen a lot of people criticizing the ending because it's like, oh, great fan service. And, but my whole thing is, like, what's wrong with fan service? In this case, it was in service of the film as well. There is a foreshadowing to this moment when Millie slash Molotov says a few things to him. You know, she brings up, like, the portal gun uh, to him in the stash at the beginning of the film when she's talking about leveling up and everything. He says, ooh, that sounds expensive, you know. We know that there's all these kind of things, and we know that games like Fortnite and stuff like that have all these tie-in. Uh, and I think that's what this game is doing. Things at at some point there was a a, a free city Marvel collaboration, or a or a Star Wars collaboration, or a Fortnite collaboration, or a Mega Man collaboration, and those things are still in the code. Yeah, and. and- yeah, if, guy just has access to that code. Yeah, he's picked up things from various other, you know, players he's defeated or um bought them in the player store or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um or maybe Millie or Keys have downloaded them to his programming we see in order that, to help him. What I think is, we see Keys make up, take one of the buildings in the game and makes the bridge out of it. So I don't think they're inserting anything new. They're just repurposing what's already in the game. Yeah. So I think those tie-ins are already in the game. They may not be active to players anymore, but that doesn't mean they're not in the game somewhere. Well, yeah, but there are, are lots of things that are you know, prestige items in various games that, you know, sometimes you run across a player that has them and you're like, oh, I see when you were playing and what quests you completed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
because there are certain skins for games or whatever that, you know, it's like, oh, I see you were playing during the 2008, you know, Christmas event or whatever. You know, it's like, because that's the only time that skin was available. It It is like, you know, sometimes it's a little bit of, of clout, uh, depending on how long you've been playing the game or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, Guy is still relatively new as a player. Uh, so it seems weird that he has all these things, but then again, maybe he's been either taking them from other players or, you know, the coders have been kind of slipping him little gifts. It's possible Uh, Keys, again, it's possible that Keys has been, you know, made a special pair of glasses just for a guy that has access to the old tie-ins and that's where he gets it from i don't know yeah uh but you know either way it's like well in the world they've established all of this makes sense even down to the fact that like the avengers theme plays when he pulls out the shield because a lot of these items in games sometimes when you pull them out there will be special music that plays I wouldn't doubt that, again, in the world of this game, that if you use Captain America's shield, it'll play the Avengers theme. Yeah. Or if you pull out a lightsaber, it'll play a little bit of the Star Wars theme. To me, like, yeah, it's fan service and it's goofy, but that's one kind of the point of the movie. And two, it makes sense in the world of a video game. I don't know. And it kind of makes sense to me more than it does did in Ready Player One, even. That's why I say I think the integration of that of the references makes more sense here than it did in Ready Player One. Yeah. So and also it's there for five seconds of screen time and then it's gone and it doesn't really stop the plot. You know. But um, God. I, you know, but I like that. I like that uh, they. They have the idea that uh, Antoine gets the the whole thing of, well, if I can't stop Guy in the game, I've lost control of the game. You know, the NPCs are on digital strike because they've started to self-actualize, which I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had to boot all the players from the game because they're rooting for guy and so now he's taken an axe to the servers themselves to just destroy the the servers running the game yeah he was gonna shut the game down anyway so it's not really a loss because he was he was gonna shut the game down anyway so just physically destroying the servers he, he was gonna do it anyway yeah and he's physically removed both keys and mouser from the the place after mouser finally turns on him realizing oh yeah you did actually steal their code and didn't give them credit or a share of the profits and you didn't actually create anything you just bought it and claimed credit for it I like that, you know, Millie sneaks in with the distraction of uh, Key's live streaming 
we see that even though all the players have been booted, so the streamers can't stream the game anymore. But somehow Keys... He was just fired, so his his privileges as a developer on the game haven't been revoked yet. Yeah, but somehow Keys figures out a way to live stream what's going on in the game to the entire world. Which he still has access through the maybe the 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 private server of employees, so he's just using it that way. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's still I don't know what he's streaming it two or how people are getting this feed but okay they didn't want to pay twitch yeah (laughs) while everyone else is distracted including the security guards who have been distracted by uh buddy sacrifice uh, yeah buddy's sacrifice poor buddy she gets in and is able to stop antoine from destroying the last server by saying i'll drop my lawsuit i'll let you have the technical rights to the code in free city you can keep the free city name you can keep all the money to free city it's all yours it's all all the millions all the everything all yours just give me this server give me my code back pretty much yeah, I, I want this server. Just let me do whatever I want with this server. And you can keep all the rest of it. All the IP, all the, yeah, whatever. I, I don't give a crap about the money. I just, just give me this server. Meanwhile, Antoine, who has been nothing but, the, but about the money the entire movie, doesn't see, hey, you're, you're throwing away millions of dollars just for your stupid game. Meanwhile, I'll make millions off Free City too. Which, as we see in the end, is not what happens because Free City 2 releases as a buggy POS and essentially Tsunami is ruined because they released a really, really bad game. You know how how bad a game has to be to ruin a studio? Because usually a studio can bounce back from one bad game. Well, it seems like this might be the only thing Tsunami has going for it. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, um... Millie and Keys and now Mouser, who's joined them, have taken the original coding from that they made for Life itself, released it as its own game, and is now a really success. Is uh, they say it's like the most successful independent game out there. Who knew people just wanted to watch a game rather than play it? Keys though said to her once he realized what guy was that he was the first sec self-actualized AI he realized that they might be up for like the Nobel Prize and when and when the news comes out that guy is a self-realized AI that only makes him more popular yeah and I mean if they realize tomorrow that there's like a computer program that was fully sentient and you could log on and talk to it in a video game. And it will talk back. Would you not want to go talk to that character? Yeah. Like, if if Guy was real, you would absolutely be, you know, if it was like, you can log into World of Warcraft right now and talk to 
a, you know, night elf, but it's a sentient creature. I would absolutely be turning my WoW account back on right now. This is such a love letter to video games. Again, it's a better love letter to video games than Ready Player One is. Yeah, I like I like the the one thing of like him saving the the one guy and then immediately the guy getting shot and teabagged. Yeah, that would happen in a video game. Yeah. So it's like the the respect that the creators of this film had for video games. And there are people who have kind of said you know, they didn't like the movie and all that, but it's like, I wonder if that's, those are people who kind of don't value video games as art forms, because there are people who don't. We've seen that. But I think that if you're a gamer and you watch this movie, it is a love letter to video games. And I love it for it. Yeah, I mean, I I thought that this was a hilarious movie the first time I watched it. I thought it was a hilarious movie the second time I watched it. And I caught a lot more of the background stuff and the more subtle stuff the second time around. Um, so, yeah. So, let's ask the question. Kiki, does Free Guy have the magic? I would say yes. I would agree. This this definitely has the magic. And like I said, if, if, if you're a gamer, this is definitely something you should watch. And, and yeah, pure love letter to video games. And I think even if you're not a gamer, I think it explains itself enough that you would still find it funny. Yeah. So let's move on to next week. Kiki, we've done... One, two, three, four, five weeks worth of movies from the last year. Uh, this is called rewatching the magic. I think it's time to go back a few years further than that. <laughs> and uh, t- uh, talking about a movie that has an upcoming sequel, uh, and a movie that I want to talk about for a while, Enchanted. Yeah, we uh, just finished uh, deconstructing video games. Time to deconstruct the princess movie. So uh, come back next week for Enchanted. And we will talk to you all then. And don't have a good day. Have a great day. Yeah. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversation online on Facebook at Rewatching the Magic. Twitter at Rewatch the Magic. And of course, new episodes every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it. <laughs>